This morning, I'm teaching on, you, you bet, I bet you can't guess, uh, on love. Um, so this, uh, this morning, thinking about that, um, a question, where do apples come from? Trees, very good. Who said that? I was, you guys are smart. Okay, so they come from trees. Is any specific kind of tree? Apple tree, that's right, that's right. Um, so where do apple trees come from? A seed. Very good. This is, you, you guys have this down. That's awesome. Um, and so one, one last question. Where do we find apple seeds? Inside an apple. Well, let's test that out. I got an apple here. Yeah, there are seeds in there. Very good. All right. So when we look at apples, when we think about apples, um, we know that there is a nature that exists. And you can go ahead two slides there. Um, one more. There we go. Um, and we know that by nature, the seed, the tree, and the fruit all have the same nature. They're, they're all, uh, genetically, they're the same thing, right? Like, so we know that apples come from apple trees, and apple trees come from apple seeds, and apple seeds come from apples. And this, that's sort of the cycle that exists with apples. A few weeks ago, somebody asked me, how could love be both the root and the fruit of Christian life? And actually, that's a very good question. Um, today, I hope to describe how love can be the root, the growth, and the fruit of the Christian faith. To illustrate that, I'm using the apple tree as an analogy. And so, right here, I have an apple seed. You can't really see it because it's tiny, right? Right there. And then, in this hand, I have an apple, right? And, and we all understand how a seed can become an apple, uh, given over time. And I think this analogy is actually useful in understanding how the love of God can be the seed, the root, the growth, and the fruit of our lives. Another way to think about it is to look at it grammatically. So, love loves love is a complete sentence. Um... Love is the subject, love is the action, and love is the object of that sentence. And so in this way, we can look at love as being the complete package. It is the fullness of love that is lived out in the Christian life. As I mentioned in last week's uh, sermon, God is the source and author of love. God is love. And in this way, when we come to Christ, God plants his seed of love love in our hearts and that seed grows by the power of his holy spirit and when we allow this love to mature in our lives uh, its action is to produce sanctification in our lives it it changes us it it helps us to mature and grow and then by loving god and loving others well this seed be, grows into maturity you know, in the flesh, we love those who love us. And Jesus 
says, what good is it to only love those who love you? Even sinners do the same. So the higher, more mature love is to let God, through his process of sanctification, work in your heart to put to death the selfishness and the unloving ways that exist within us. In mature love, uh, then God uses us to produce mature fruit. The fruit of love, then, is the witness to a lost world, the ministry uh, to others, and especially the ministry to brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the fruit that comes from love. And in this way, love can be both the source and the fruit. And that shouldn't surprise us because the Bible frequently describes how we reap what we sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. And so why would we expect anything different from the greatest spiritual virtue of love? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. And so in this same way, let us sow generously with love would you stand with me as we dig into god's word and read from john chapter 15 starting with verse 1 i am the true vine and my father is the gardener every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit you are already clean because of the word i've spoken to you Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather him and throw him in the, into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love i've told you these things so that your joy may be in you and your joy may be complete this is my command love one another as i have loved you no one has greater love than this to than to lay his life down for his friends you are my friends if you do what i command you I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from the Father. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that where, whatever you ask in the Father's name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Father God, I just lift up this time to you. I pray that you would guide us and direct us as we dig into your word and, and understand what it means to love God and love others, as we've been talking about. But also, Lord, that you would help us not just to uh, make a simple attitude adjustment or, or just try harder, but that the reality, the spiritual reality of abiding in you would produce the fruitfulness of love in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in that way. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've uh, already talked a bit about the second part of that passage in the past two sermons. Uh, Jesus has laid down his life for our sins. And he is talking about those who place their faith in him, those that listen and obey him. Jesus is calling them friends. And this is what happens when we turn from living a sinful and selfish life and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What a friend we have in Jesus. This command to love, then, is connected to the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Jesus is also commanding us to love one another. This command to love one another is, commanded, is connected, then, to the first part of this passage by a very important phrase. In John 15, 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. That phrase, remain in my love, it establishes a clear connection between the visual of the vine and the branches and his teaching on loving obedience and God's to God and to the sacrificial love that we have towards others. Taking this a step further, I believe that this description that Jesus is sharing is, follows a pattern that Jesus frequently does in his ministry in which he shares metaphorical language to, uh, dis- to illustrate some truth, and then he pulls his disciples aside and explains what that metaphoric language meant. And I see that this is another one of those instances where Jesus is doing that. So let's talk about the source of love. Ultimately, Jesus is the source of life and love. In this passage, Jesus refers to himself as the vine. And he refers to us as believers as the branches. And God the Father is the gardener. We see that there is a connection to abiding in Christ in his life. And that makes us fruitful. If we look at the salvation experience, uh, we often look at it as an opportunity to get to heaven, sort of our ticket to heaven. But when we look, if we take this language, this metaphorical language seriously, we begin to realize that there is a life-sustaining connection to Jesus Christ. And, and that life-connecting, that life-sustaining connection to Jesus Christ is what is needed. It also says those that are not fruitful are cut off and thrown into the fire. 
So the question might be, what causes a branch to be unfruitful? And I w- there's a verse I want to ser- zero in on here. It's John 15, verse 6. It says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch that withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. You know, I recall that I used to have rose bushes before we moved. Um, and those rose bushes, uh, we would trim back every year. And sometimes in the spring, um, the rose bushes would begin to grow, uh, but certain parts of the rose bushes would be dead. And that is called dieback, or um, the, the part of the stem that is dead. There's no life-giving sap in that stem. And it's important to cut that off because that, that dieback can actually go back into the, the root of the rose and kill off the rose. And so cutting off the dieback, uh, especially when there's a disease involved, is important. It saves the, the, um, the rest of the plant. Um, and so this, I bring this up because there's a difference between being physically connected to the rose bush and being give, uh, connected in a life-giving way. And in the same way, I think that there's a difference between being physically connected to a church and being abiding in the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying that you have to be connected to me in a spiritual way. You have to be connected in a life-giving way. And when you are not connected, that you are dead in the spiritual sense. And this death has eternal consequences. This passage also says that the branches will be burnt up. And this is, to me, a representation of eternal punishment. John 3.16 is a verse that is familiar with most people. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is familiar to most Christians. It is also familiar to uh, many who are in the world. But less familiar is John chapter 3, verse 18. It says, anyone who believes in him is not condemned because he has believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. But he who has not believed is already condemned because he has believed, not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. And this, it is this condemnation that leads to branches being burnt up. Notice the connection to love, though. In John 3.16, we read, For God so loved the world. In John 15.9, it says, Remain in my love. And so the gospel is an expression of God's love for us. And we experience that and are connected to God's love when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus is the source of love. It is this love that flows into our lives and enables us to bear the fruit of love. Using this symbolic picture then of the gospel of of Christ's love, God's love for us, it is the gospel that is planted and when it grows up, it matures into the fruit of love. More specifically, God's love is the seed. And so, how does that work? How does God's love grow in the believer? Uh, It would seem that it's more than just 
this believing in Christ that is needed. In the metaphor language, Jesus is also saying that God the Father is pruning those that remain in Christ. That is to say, not only are they saved, but there's a process in which there's sanctification occurring as God removes those parts of you that ought not be there. And He does this. Jesus not only says that that God is cleaning us, but He also talks about the action, but also the method. Notice in John 15, verse 3, it says, you are already clean because of the Word I have spoken to you. It is the Word of God that He uses to do the pruning. Our Heavenly Father is the gardener. And His Word is His pruning shears. God's Word is often represented as an instrument that cuts. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, there's so many things that I believe get in the way of the fruit of love. None greater in my estimation than the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Because you can see, the way that I think about people directly affects the love that I demonstrate towards those people. So my thoughts get in the way of loving well. But even more than that, there's a reality that maybe I did not even really intend to love that person. And I just, my thoughts become a justification for why I'm not loving that person. I don't love them because they don't deserve to be loved. One more point before moving on. I realize that you can push a metaphor a bit too far, but I think this, this actually applies. So if you'll indulge me, a bit. Pruning shears are no good to us sitting in a shed collecting dust. We, it is only when we take them out of the shed and we use them to trim the rosebush or trim the tree or trim the flower that ultimately the shears are being used as they are supposed to be used, that they're useful. And as we talked about last week, it is only by being in the Word of God that we can ultimately know what it is that we're to obey. And I would extend that to say this week that studying the Word of God is the way that God can actively remove those things that God wants out of our lives. If you wonder why God is not producing fruit in your life, Or if you wonder why God is not producing fruit collectively in our lives, is it possible that it's because we do not spend nearly enough time in His Word? So back to my analogy. The seed is the gospel and the love of God in the person's life. And that seed grows up to be a tree. And the tree is cared for by God. 
And he loves and cleans the believers so that they will be fruitful. And at times, if we're honest, this cleaning can be unpleasant. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We often consider suffering and discipline as the opposite of love. But it's not so. God genuinely cares for you and longs for good in your life. Submitting to his discipline really is ultimately for our own well-being. You see, apathy is the opposite of love. A lack of care and concern is the opposite of love. Proverbs uh, chapter 3, starting with verse 11, it says, Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. And so love is the growth of the apple tree towards maturity. So let's turn now to the fruit of love. I know we discussed last week, one of the key ways that we express love to God is to keep his commands and remain in his love. And Jesus is telling us that, to keep his commands and remain in his love. This truth applies to all commands of God. In the New, in, in, uh, the New Testament, Jesus has 300 commands. Now, Ultimately, not all 300 of those apply to us, but to some of his disciples and people that were alive at the time of Christ. But this passage that Jesus is is honing in on, he focuses in on one command in particular. In John 15, verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. He then redirects the focus on others. In in verse 12, he says, This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he repeats the command again in verse 17. This is what I command you. Love one another. This command to love one another placed so closely to the uh, metaphoric language and also the admonition to keep his commands would make this particular command of primary importance. The fact that Jesus says it twice would make this a very important emphasis in his teaching to remain in his love. It seems that to remain in Christ's love, we are obligated to love well to love each other well. And this is consistent with other passages in Scripture as well. Uh, I've covered many of these over the last uh, two uh, sermons. Uh, I, I want to highlight a couple of them. First Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. First John 4, 
Verse 11, dear friends, if God loved us this way, we must also love one another. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. And truthfully, I could go on and on and on, and I have a bit, and I thank you for indulging me in that. But this love is an unambiguous teaching of the Word of God. If we're to remain in His love, then love ought to be the central theme of our relationships with other people. Further, our, our love, our ability to love one another is the central evidence that God's love is in us. The primary purpose of abiding, pruning, obeying, and loving God is found in uh, John 15, verse 8. It says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. The aim is to glorify God through being fruitful and proving to be Jesus' disciples. In Galatians and Ephesians, we find a good summary of what this fruit is like. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. In Ephesians 5, starting with verse 8, it says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Love is sort of a shorthand for all of these things. Notice that the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing that is mentioned is love. It's not a stretch to suggest that love is the premier fruit. And notice that the fruit of light, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth, is consistent with loving God. That is to say, obeying His truth. Fruitfulness in the Christian life necessarily involves loving both God and loving others. That's why Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. That's the words of Jesus. Interesting, love also is the way that we prove that we are Jesus' disciples as well. In John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. We sang the song just a few minutes ago. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When the people outside the church look in on the church, they don't, they don't say, oh, those Christians, they are really smart people. They don't look in and say, oh, those Christians, they're, they're really righteous. 
No. They don't say that. But Jesus says it plainly. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, love is our witness to a dark world. Love is our witness when everything around us is violence. Love is our witness when contempt is the way of our culture. Love is our witness in a world that is literally tearing itself apart. Love. It is our love that is a witness. It is love that shows others that we are abiding in Christ. In short, if you want to glorify God, you must love Him and love one another. This apple is a fruit of a seed. And the seed becomes a tree. And eventually the tree becomes the apple. And as, as we abide in Christ's love, that life-giving sap that comes from, uh, uh, from Christ grows up in us, allows us to mature, and eventually produces the fruit in the same way that an apple does. God prunes us with His Word. Finally, it, it's the same love. It's the same love that glorifies our Heavenly Father. Love sustains love. As we draw to a close in this series, I want to challenge you on a few things. The first thing that I want to challenge you on is, are you in Christ? Uh, this message only makes sense if you're in Christ. If not, then I want to encourage you to seek to be in Christ. And truthfully, Jesus is seeking you right now. If you want to be found in Christ, in a few minutes we're going to have a, a time of a commitment and a time of invitation. And if you'd like to know what it means to abide in Christ, I encourage you to come forward. I'd love to share with you what it means to abide in Christ. And our staff also will be available after the service if you want to pull one of us aside. If you're online, just uh, go to that website and, and uh, click on get to, know, get to Know You More, and we, we would love to be able to share with you what it means to abide in Christ. The second thing I want to do is uh, ask you is, if you're in Christ, are you in God's Word. Uh, 
as we learned, the, the only way that we can be pleasing to God is to obey his word. And, and the only way to know his word is by studying it. And as we learn today, God uses that same word to prune and take out those things in our lives that ought not be there. He prunes the dead things out of our lives using Scripture. The finally, challenge, the finally the challenge that I want to leave you with, and this is a burden for me, are you faithful in love? You know, everywhere I look, I see contempt, mean-spirited words, anger, hatred, violence. Brothers and sisters, we must present ourselves different from the world. We cannot fall into the darkness and allow the world to influence us into this path. Let our love shine so brightly, our love for God and love for others to shine brightly into a dark, dark world. Further, let's, let's not make this love mere lip service. I will tell you the truth. If you're going to love, if you're going to be sold out to God's love, it is the hardest thing that you will ever do. It's impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Let us not make this love an attitude adjustment. No, let's serve God with all our hearts, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Let us love sacrificially and build one another up. And let's take this greatest love story that humanity has ever known to a world that desperately needs God's love. That is the heart of our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I want to First and foremost, thank you for the love of Christ that you have put into our lives. We thank you for the sacrifice that exists for our benefit to take away our sins, take on the punishment of our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to abide in that love. We need your life-giving power flowing through us. This is not something that we can do on our own. In fact, you say we can do nothing without you. Lord, help us. Help us to be in your word, to be obedient to your word, to remove those things that are dead. Lord, 
Help us to love well. Help us to love you. Help us to love others. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand. I want to do the invitation just a bit different this morning. Uh, the instruments are going to play and Scott's going to sing. And I would like you to take this moment to abide in Christ. To abide in His love. And if you don't know what that means, uh, please feel free to come forward. I'll talk to you and, and explain what that means. But I just want you to spend some time with our Savior dwelling and abiding in His love. Worship Him. Focus on the love of God. Ask Him, is there anything in me, Lord, that's dead that I need to remove? Is there any way that I need to reach out and love others more and more like you? So just take this time as the, as the instruments are playing and allow it to be a personal time of abiding and committing your lives to Christ. Christ.